0: Acts chapter 19 verses 13 through 41. A team of Jews who were traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits, tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus. The incantation they used was this. I command you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But when they tried it on a man possessed by an evil spirit, the spirit replied, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? And he leaped on them and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house, naked and badly injured. The story of what happened spread quickly all through Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices, A number of them, who had been practicing magic, brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. The value of the books was several million dollars. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. Afterward, Paul felt impelled by the Holy Spirit to go over to Macedonia and Achaia before returning to Jerusalem. And after that he said, "'I must go on to Rome.' He sent his two assistants, Timothy and Erastus, on ahead to Macedonia while he stayed a while longer in the province of Asia. But about that time, serious trouble developed in Ephesus concerning the way. It began with Demetrius, a silversmith who had a large business manufacturing silver shrines of the Greek goddess Artemis. He kept many craftsmen busy. He called the craftsmen together, along with others employed in related trades. And addressed them as follows Gentlemen, you know that our wealth comes from this business. As you have seen and heard, this man Paul has persuaded many people that handmade gods aren't gods at all. And this is happening not only here in Ephesus, but throughout the entire province. Of course, I'm not just talking about the loss of public respect for our business. I'm also concerned that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will lose its influence and that Artemis. This magnificent goddess, worshipped throughout the province of Asia and all around the world, will be robbed of her prestige. At this, their anger boiled, and they began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! A crowd began to gather, and soon the city was filled with confusion. Everyone rushed to the amphitheater, dragging along Gaius and Aristarchus, who were Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. Paul wanted to go in. But the believers wouldn't let him. Some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, also sent a message to him, begging him not to risk his life by entering the amphitheater. Inside, the people were all shouting, some one thing and some another. Everything was in confusion. In fact, most of them didn't even know why they were there. Alexander was thrust forward by some of the Jews, who encouraged him to explain the situation. He motioned for silence, and tried to speak in defense. But when the crowd realized he was a Jew, they started shouting again, and kept it up for two hours. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! At last, the mayor was able to quiet them down enough to speak. Citizens of Ephesus, he said, everyone knows that Ephesus is the official guardian of the temple of the great Artemis whose image fell down to us from heaven. Since this is an indisputable fact, you shouldn't be disturbed, no matter what is said. Don't do anything rash. You have brought these men here, but they have stolen nothing from the temple, and have not spoken against our goddess. If Demetrius and the craftsmen have a case against them, the courts are in session, and the judges can take the case at once. Let them go through legal channels and if there are complaints about other matters, they can be settled in a legal assembly. I'm afraid we're in danger of being charged with rioting by the Roman government, since there is no cause for all this commotion. And if Rome demands an explanation, we won't know what to say. Then he dismissed them, and they dispersed. So here's a, uh, here's a
1: dependable method for finding the will of God for your life. I call it the read your Bible method. It is God's will for you to be with him in prayer. Guaranteed, the will of God. It is God's will for you to abide in his word, to read it and memorize it and study it, hide it in your heart, talk about it all the time. That is God's will. It is God's will for you to pursue righteousness and holiness. It is God's will for you and I to flee immorality and idolatry. It's God's will for you to love him with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And it is God's will for you to love your neighbor like you love yourself. It's God's will for you and I to care for the needy, to defend the weak, to help the powerless. It is God's will for you to make disciples who make disciples of all the nations. No Christian in this room needs to be sitting back, wondering about and waiting for God's will for your life. Oswald Chambers said the Christian should never ask the question, what is God's will for my life? And he used an illustration of walking through the woods. He said, what's the only time when you're walking through the woods where you have to ask where the path is? And the only time you have to ask where the path is is when you're off the path. So he encouraged Christians, just stay on the path every day. Walk with God in obedience to His Word, and He will lead you. A famous pastor named Adrian Rogers said, The way to find God's will for the rest of your life is to do God's will for the next 15 minutes. And as you walk with Him, He will guide you. As you obey His commands, He will order your steps. Isn't this Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him Just keep acknowledging Him, walk with Him And what will He do? He will make your path straight Did you hear that promise? Acknowledge Him, trust Him, walk with Him And God is promising in His Word To lead you and me, to guide us, to direct us To make our paths straight Which makes sense, think about it God wants His will to be accomplished in our lives more than we do do you know how much God wants His will to be accomplished in your life? God wants His will to be accomplished in your life so much, Christian, that He has put His very Spirit inside of you. It's an awesome thought. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. I don't knock you out of your seat if you really think about it. The Spirit of God is in you to lead and guide your thoughts, transform your desires, to affect your decisions. You think about Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed any longer to the power of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. When
2: God moves, he can turn things around on a dime. He can flip the script overnight. That's why I love the word in the Bible, suddenly. That means God came out of nowhere and blew our minds with how quickly he changed a situation that often looked like it was going downhill fast, hopeless, without purpose, without rhyme and reason. He can intervene and interfere with people, places, processes, problems, predicaments, and he can do it suddenly, quickly, on the turn of a thought. He can turn things around. That's why you must not quit. You, may ne- you must never give up. No matter how dark the night seems to be in your situation and circumstances, don't you throw in the towel on God because of that word suddenly. His ability to reverse outcomes, his ability to change sequences, his ability to interfere with what you thought could never change. You see, you really need to know who you're dealing with here. Because he's in control of all things, he can take anything and suddenly turn it into your favor. So when you're about to quit, when you think there's hopelessness, when you feel you have been forgotten, remember that word suddenly, because that means that a divine reversal is possible in your circumstance. And God doesn't need days, weeks, months, years, decades, and centuries to do it. Now, He has that option, but He has another option, and that is to turn it around. Don't give up on God, because if you don't, you'll discover He hasn't given up on you.
0: Today, we're reading in Psalm 147, verses 1 through 20. Praising the Lord is the highest exercise of your faculties. He is worthy of praise. And you should praise Him whether or not you think your praise is accomplishing anything in your life. However, there are some blessings that come to those who worship Him in truth. You know, praise brings spiritual beauty to God's people. It builds His work and unifies His people. Praise heals the inner person and lifts the fallen. Praise is good medicine. Praise makes God's world real and personal to you, even uh, the storms and uh, its great protection against the enemy. Praise pleases the Lord and enables Him to work in your life. Praise must never become a pragmatic device just for getting something from God, you know, getting God's blessings. When you sincerely praise Him, the blessings will come. Praise changes things and changes. It changes people. Psalm 147, verses 1 through 20. Praise the Lord! How good it is to sing praises to our God! How delightful and how right! The Lord is rebuilding Jerusalem and bringing the exiles back to Israel. He heals the brokenhearted, binding up their wounds. He counts the stars and calls them all by name. How great is our Lord! His power is absolute. His understanding is beyond comprehension. The Lord supports the humble, but He brings the wicked down into the dust. Sing out your thanks to the Lord. Sing praises to our God, accompanied by harps. He covers the heavens with clouds, provides rain for the earth, and makes the green grass grow in mountain pastures. He feeds the wild animals and the young ravens cry to him for food. The strength of a horse does not impress him. How puny in his sight is the strength of a man. Rather, the Lord's delight is in those who honor him, those who put their hope in his unfailing love. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem! Praise your God, O Zion! For he has fortified the bars of your gates and blessed your children within you. He sends peace across your nation and satisfies you with plenty of the finest wheat. He sends His orders to the world how swiftly His word flies. He sends the snow like white wool. He scatters frost upon the ground like ashes. He hurls the hail like stones. Who can stand against His freezing cold? Then, at His command, it all melts. He sends His winds and the ice thaws. He has revealed his words to Jacob, his principles and laws to Israel. He has not done this with any other nation. They do not know his laws. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 18 verses 4 and 5. A person's words can be life-giving water. Words of true wisdom are as refreshing as a bubbling brook. It is wrong for a judge to favor the guilty or condemn the innocent.